0: The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM stereo. In conversation with Shafik Morden.
1: Yes, indeed, we are in conversation with uh, myself, Shafik Morton, online Africa Report for this week, Dr. Paul Karayuki, Executive Director, Democracy Development Program. On our menu for today, the DRC Congo declares an end of the Ebola outbreak. Didier Drogba. No, not about football, but he's talking about Africa. And a court tries to stop a case against French soldiers doing bad things in Rwanda. Dr. Paul Karayuki, welcome.
0: Thank you so much, Safik, for having me on the show, and good afternoon to all your listeners.
1: Now, it's nice to start off with a story that's kind of got some good news about it. Uh, Democrat, Democratic Republic of Congo declares an end of the Ebola outbreak. I say that against the background of everybody saying that Africa was gonna fall apart because of COVID. We haven't, it has affected us, yes, but we're still here and probably doing a lot better than other countries. And here, um, an African country can declare the end of an Ebola outbreak, which is a lot more uh, than uh, countries like India can declare about their current problems.
0: Indeed, Shafik, um it's good news uh, on one on one hand that they can boldly declare that uh, Ebola is no more an issue for their concern. However, on the other on the other hand, it's also something that is of concern. um Just in case the country can go into a relaxed mode, and then we have a resurgence. So. One of the challenges with such good news at a time of uh, public health uh, emergencies like the one we've been dealing with, like Ebola and COVID, uh, is that when, whenever there is a little uh, indication of um, triumph uh, because of the long-drawn uh, kind of uh, fight in it to, to contain it and to, you know, minimize transmission and save lives, there's always a reluctance on the, on the public in general for people to let down their guards. And before you know something else hits it. You know, um, it's in the nation. So, uh, on the one hand, I join them in their celebration, but on the other hand, um, I'm, I'm a bit scared that uh, uh, there can never be a total elimination of a possibility that a resurgence is possible. So, um, so it's just one of those cautionary uh, views that one has.
1: And of course, I mean, Ebola is no joke. Uh, I'm not a medical expert, but I believe that Ebola is a far more dangerous than than covert
0: uh, i agree with you i was also not a medical doctor but i can tell you given the the devastation that it has done on that country and others around the west african region over the last five to six years it's astronomical and therefore there cannot be um a reluctance not to stay vigilant and continue surveilling, um, you know, uh, uh, for any possible resurgencies. At the same time, also, I think it, uh, the country now has a good break to invest in their health, public health infrastructure uh, just to make sure that they remain strong and resilient in case there is a resurgence and at least use the lessons they have learned over the years. Uh, to make sure that their public health system um, is in, in a possible uh, capacity has a possible capacity to uh, mitigate any situation that can arise uh, in case there is a further outbreak and I think one of the key lessons that we have learned also, um, around the continent especially uh, our continent has been found wanting when this kind of public health emergencies do erupt our public health systems are not Able to cope with, uh, you know, big numbers of uh, ill individuals, and, and and of course, our challenges are not just the health facility itself, health facilities themselves, but it's also the human resources and the financing that m- makes it possible for a public health system to cope with numbers of um, uh, of people who are ill in case an outbreak takes place. So I think uh, once one, one would caution that um people must not you know uh lay down their guards at this time but at the same time also for government to do something speedily uh within the short term period to really reinforce their public health systems and especially uh uh, providing the necessary human resources needed and of course in, in all this juxtaposing it with covid 19 management
1: Do you think there are lessons that we could perhaps teach the rest of the world? Because I think we did learn some hard, hard lessons uh, Mm. when the Ebola outbreak started. But perhaps Mm. how to deal with these things with minimum budgets? Because in South Africa, we're not blessed, or in Africa, we're not blessed with the same kind of budgetary capacities as Mm. some of the more developed nations are.
0: Yes, and that's true. Or you're very much on point. So I think one of the key, one of the few lessons that we can, uh, you know, uh, scan from the the Congo DI situation with management of Ebola, first is just to underscore again uh, the need to continue vigilance uh, to make sure that uh, in case of any further outbreaks, there is capacity to handle uh, the situation. The other part, of course, is to strengthen surveillance systems, uh, surveillance systems for the disease. Uh, So that okay, they, there is a possibility to monitor any early outbreaks and even trends that could point to an outbreak because some of the situations we found ourselves in as a continent we've been found uh, off guard so to speak such public health emergencies of the scale of Ebola, COVID nineteen, uh, have erupted, and if still we're dealing with issues of law, like malaria, uh, you know, which are also a big public health situations in our continent. So I think the strengthening surveillance systems uh, for such diseases is very important. And thirdly, which is often under uh, under reported or even conversed about, is working with communities yeah. to detect you know, uh, cases within households or or, or or neighborhoods that may be very far away from health authorities' uh, um, uh, data capturing systems. So I think that could have worked very well. And um, I've seen some of the countries like Kenya and others around the East African region uh, using household uh, surveillance system for COVID-19. And the little I've gathered from such uh, from uh, people who are working in those countries is that it has actually worked effectively in managing COVID-19 in their countries. And I think Ebola could also be managed better in the same way as a lesson. If we strengthen our communities to be able to know what to see and how to report it, I think we, think we can go far in, in, in rapid response to uh, public health emergencies whenever they are detected. And fourthly, um, is of course the political will to invest in strengthening public health facilities. Um, we've seen some of the shocking, um, you know, uh, scenarios or footages from various media houses across our continent when Ebola struck, and it's still now uh, with COVID-19 uh, very heartbreaking scenarios to see human beings being wheeled on a wheelbarrow or, uh, or carried on sticks, you know, because there is no sufficient ambulance support system to, you know, even to get people to the nearest public health system. So um, I think those are low-hanging uh, fruits that can be, you know, can be arrested, can be arrested and be detected quickly and reinforced so that our health systems on the continent remain resilient uh, to fight public health emergencies.
1: Yeah, indeed, it's interesting you mentioned uh, the old person in a wheelbarrow. Um, that's something I have personally experienced while uh, on yeah. assignment uh, in uh, a North African country. It's heartbreaking mm-hmm. actually to see it. And when you, It's heartbreaking to see the image, but when you see it in real life, boy, oh boy, yeah. the reality really strikes home that there yeah. are no ambulances here. And a poor mm-hmm. human being in a wheelbarrow is the ultimate indignity.
0: And also, just to add to that, uh, we must also not forget that the region, uh, West African region itself, and uh, and and the East and Southern Africa itself, still there are possibilities of um, further outbreaks. If you think about um, in Guinea, um, they're still battling with their own resurgence in resurgence on Ebola, and with you know, minimum restriction of people movement across countries and across borders, you can never fully eliminate the possibility of an outbreak. Uh, so I think that's something else that the government of, of, of Congo would be looking very closely. And of course, I'm sure that the the WHO offices in Africa would also be monitoring that very quickly to, to ensure that, okay, while we celebrate the end, of Ebola in the country does not also create opportunities for other countries to, you know, bring back in cases Because of poor migration management policies that we have currently on our continent
1: No, absolutely and we move on to Didier Drogba um, I'm sure lots of listeners remember the dreadlocked Didier Drogba scoring lots of goals for Chelsea He has now um, got a bald head, and is very much a a public figure and a politician, but having a very interesting interview about saying we can have a stable Africa. How encouraging do you think it is when somebody so identifiable, such as Didier Drogba, makes a statement like this? Because a lot of people not necessarily interested in Africa are going to read it because of his past as a football star.
0: And, and you're spot on. Um um I, I I I would take this very caution uh with a caution because uh he may have been inspired by the former um uh, you know, uh, a footballer of the African continent who really became finally the president of Liberia. And so he may be probably taking a leaf from there to say, you know what, uh, I can also ascend to, you know, to highest seat politically in my country, but maybe I need to start somewhere to start talking the language of those who are in politics. <laughs> we, we're in a very interesting phase of our continent at the moment. And uh, uh, so I will not want to take away from his, you know, very much idealized uh, uh, view of what it, uh, Africa could do. But it's not first time we've had things like this, not from footballers like him, but from other <clears throat> uh, well-wishers who want to pursue uh, politics as a career. And so be as it may, uh, I would like to err on the side that uh, his intentions are pure and that he's probably not seeking political office by trying to come in into the space with a language that maybe people may start, you know, um, identifying with. Um, and, of course, he hits at the soft spot. Africa needs to be stable. Uh, there's no doubt about that, and and, and it's very important. However, um, we we will need to know much more than just a statement like that or an idea like that, because this has always been a continental struggle, uh, from either AU, African Union, or from uh, other uh, African think tanks that have already been saying similar things that for Africa to be prosperous and to become a competitor uh, who has a voice on the global stage, whether it's trade or health or politics, it has to be stable, be able to feed itself, uh, be able to create op- economic opportunities that prosper our citizens, be able to have a political Vertebrae, you know, spinal cord to call out corrupt individuals. You know, all those things. Uh, So I don't know how far Mr. Drogba has engaged himself with the current challenges that make this continent to be where it is right now for his statements to have credibility in the sense that he can actually draw interest from uh, Africans themselves. Otherwise, um, from just a rhetorical point of view, he's saying the right things.
1: Right let's move on to rwanda a court tries to stop a case against french soldiers in rwanda and what i find interesting about this is uh, reminding myself about rwanda and going to dr google uh, france was one of the countries um, that did not emerge with any credibility out of the rwandan crisis and here we have the, the the French <clears throat> courts trying to protect some French soldiers. We don't know what they did, but it, it just doesn't go down well, does it?
0: Indeed, Shafiq. It doesn't go down well for three main reasons from my point of view. One, it it has potential uh, to strain Africa-French relations because um, there is a cry in the hearts of many uh, Rwandese people who probably are still in the country and some are out of the country, who lost their family members. Mm-hmm. And they are seeking for justice. It cannot be uh, embraced as something to celebrate when uh, when families such as those ones have not found closure concerning their family members. That's the number one thing. The other thing is to for justice. It is important that um, French uh, government really shows that it can walk the talk and provide an opportunity for for example for those five military uh, generals that will never had a chance to go to court and give their side of their story to be given a chance to do so otherwise it looks like um if uh, uh, french government could and perhaps potential to condone a similar occurrence in future which can never be ruled out right yes. so um, um it, it it is it is in my view it's a travesty of justice to say they are dropping um such a case that has serious political implications not only on the country and her people but on the continent, and of course for thirdly is for countries like the former colonialist powers. who still want to show that they have this hegemonic um rule over their former colonies. And then they can call shots in such a way that it dehumanizes these people on, uh, on a global scale. So from that point of view, I totally feel it, uh, um, it, 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 it is not the right thing to do. And I think um, I would want to believe that there will be someone somewhere within uh, geopolitics of our continent and France to call this thing out in a way that it will um, capture global imagination so that um, institutions that United Nations, uh, such as United Nations and African Union can really exert political pressure to see that justice is meted
1: out. I mean, this 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 is important, isn't it? I mean, you know, we are talking about a very, very heavy topic. Um, yeah. if, you, if you look at the situation in old Yugoslavia where um, the Dutch military was indicted for standing by while yeah. Serbs slaughtered Bosnians, um, yeah. I mean, th- there's no difference to that than to what happened in Rwanda. If you read the reports about the French, there are damning, damning, damning indictments that um, they stood by while uh, the, the atrocities went on. And there's a possibility if they intervened, they might have saved some lives, but they, they didn't.
0: They didn't, and exactly that's my point. Uh, for, for, for French government to accept an outcome like that, although it does not come in public to say so, but if they do, it will be, it'll be like slapping Africa on its face. They mm-hmm. so that we really don't care. And um it, it will not. I'm sure it will not sit well with Africans. If even so, our political leadership around the continent may want to cajole them to believe that they are doing the right thing because of any interest that they may have on the continent. But we, we there's no, there's no one who can sit with a clear conscience if such a court case can be endorsed as a victory. It will be really, really a sad day on our continent.
1: Dr. Paul Karayuki, Executive Director, Democracy Development Programme. Thanks for chatting to us, our weekly Africa report. As always, great pleasure chatting to you.
0: Thank you, Shafik, for having me on the show. See you again next week. In conversation with Shafik Morden.